Well, welcome and good morning. If it's your first time here, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. Appreciate you coming celebrate your, your Mother's Day with us. Happy Mother's Day. This is exciting for our family. We, we have a six-month-old, and so we're kind of getting to do this for the first time, and that's always fun. I was telling my wife last night, you know, I've, I've always been so appreciative of my own mother. Love her. So grateful of everything she's done for me. But it wasn't until that I got to see my wife be a mom in this stage of life, doing the things that we don't remember our moms doing for us, that I really appreciate what my mom did and what moms do. So if you're a mom out there, thank you for everything that you do for those little folks. Today, we are continuing this series that we've been calling The Prison Letters. And what we're doing is just sort of leaning into the wisdom of a guy named Paul. Paul was a famous figure in the New Testament. He was uh, a Jewish religious leader who hated Christians couldn't stand them, wanted to wipe out the entire movement, considered their very existence to be a blasphemy against God. And so he would persecute Christians. He would throw them in jail. He would stone them. Sometimes he would even have them killed. Well, one day, this guy has an interaction, a meeting with the resurrected Jesus Christ, and his life is changed forever. On the spot, he becomes a Christian, gives his life to the Lord. He would go on to write over half of the New Testament and then travel for 30 years around the Mediterranean, planting all of these churches. Well, one day, Paul ends up in prison, and he famously starts to write these letters that we are looking at. And every single week, we are examining just a unique piece of wisdom that Paul felt burdened to share while his life hung in the balance. So today, before we kind of get into the material, get into this letter that Paul wrote to this group of people, I want to start by asking you a question, just to sort of prime the pump, so to speak. Now, I know the answer to this question already. My, my dad's an attorney. He always says, you know, a good attorney never asks a question they don't already know the answer to. And so I already know what you're going to say, but I want to ask this question just to get our minds on the same page. So here's the question. Are you anxious about anything? Is there anything in your life that, that you're worried about right now? Is there some uncertainty in your life that's just sort of out there in the distance, kind of floating over your head? Now, forget about macro worries, all the things that all of us are worried about. Economy, gas prices, inflation. Just don't worry about those for a second because we all got those. I'm talking you personally. What's on your heart? Are you worrying about, like, is this person I'm with, are they the one? Have I finally found the one? Am I ever going to find the one? Are, Are you worried that, like, you're not able to find a job? Are you worried that maybe perhaps you can't find the employees to run the business that you're trying to run? Are you you worried about your kid who might be starting school next year and you're wondering, are they going to be okay? Are they going to be able to handle it? Maybe you're worried about your health. Is my health going to be okay? Is it going to hold up so that I can be there for my grandkids? What are you worried about in your life? Put that in the back of your mind. Because today... Paul is going to lean into our worries, lean into our concerns, lean into our stresses, and he's going to say, when you're anxious, do this instead. When you're stressed, when you're worried, when you find yourself in a time of uncertainty, do this. So what is is this? We're going to get into that. And the reason I want to tell you right away, because if I told you right away, you'd blow it off. You, You would think it was naive. You would think it was too simplistic. You would think it was not realistic, perhaps even insensitive. Generally speaking, when we hear what Paul's about to tell us, 
And if you've been in church any length of time, you, you've heard what, what Paul's about to tell us. Our reaction is to think, well, easy for you to say, Paul. <laughs> you, have, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. You have no idea what I'm going through. You can't relate. Okay, it's very, Paul, thanks, love you. It's very easy for you to give me this advice, and play with the advice in a second, from your ivory tower up there, detached from the real world, doling out pearls of unhelpful wisdom, insensitive wisdom. Paul knew you would say that. Because you're not the first one to think that. You're not the first one to say this to him. So I want to let him speak for himself before I tell you the wisdom that he's going to provide us. Paul says this, again, I say, don't think that I'm a fool to talk like this. Don't think that I'm naive. Don't think that I'm a, a simpleton. Don't think that I'm up there in some ivory tower, unfamiliar with the trials and tribulations of everybody else. And let me tell you why. I have worked harder, he said. Been put in prison more often. Been whipped three times without number. And faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned with rocks. There are three times, just want to clarify that. I know with this group, I know what you're thinking. So three times, I was shipwrecked. We know that he was bitten by a venomous snake. He made it through that. People couldn't believe that. And we do know that he suffered from a debilitating physical handicap. We don't know exactly what that was. Some scholars believe it was some kind of eye issue. And now he is writing today's advice, get into it in a second, while being locked in a prison, chained 24 hours a day to a Roman guard waiting to go before Caesar on trial, not knowing if he was going to live or die. Chances are he was going to die. So why do I tell you all? I tell you this because when Paul gives us the advice he's about to give us about the anxiety in our life, we can listen to him. We should listen to him because the man knows what he's talking about. This is not the kind of guy you want to get into a hardship competition with. Right? It's not like, oh, Paul, and he's like, oh, sorry you couldn't find a job. That sounds tough. You know, I was beaten by rods three times and, you know, in a shipwreck and then a snake bit me. So tell me more about the job market because it sounds terrible. He... We can listen to him. He's aware. He's not writing this, as I said, from some ivory tower detached from the real world. So, without further ado, Paul says, when you're stressed, when you're worried, when you find yourself in a situation that is uncertain, rejoice in the Lord always. Here we go. Right? Here we go. <laughs> like, obviously, Paul, you have no idea what I'm, what I'm going through in my life. Rejoice in the Lord always. But this is really, actually, really good. And we kind of miss what he's saying because we don't really know what it means to rejoice in the Lord. So let me, let me do something to try to make this a little bit more helpful. I'm going to remove, just for a moment, so hold your pitchforks, I'm going to remove the word Lord out of this, and I'm going to replace it with something else. So if Paul were to say to us, rejoice in your new job, you would say, oh yeah, I can do that. Thank God. I can re definitely rejoice in a new job. If Paul said, rejoice in the fact that he called you for a second date, I know a lot of you would really be rejoicing, right? Oh, finally, how it ghosted me, all right? This is great. Now I can definitely rejoice in that. If Paul said, rejoice in your new house or your new car or your upcoming vacation, all of us know what it means to rejoice in something to such a degree 
that when we think about it, we're excited, and it changes our mood. It, it, it changes how we act. It changes how the world sees us. And I would argue it changes how we see the world. So Paul's saying, wherever you are, whatever you got going on, rejoice in the Lord always. I want you to rejoice in the fact that God loves you. I want you to rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins. I want you to rejoice to such a degree that it changes the way that you act and feel, that you actually begin to feel the emotions that are normally associated with such great news. I will say it again. Rejoice, right? Advice so nice, he said it twice. So, I was working on that all week. So, I was like, can I say that? Is that really? And I said it. So, let's do some personal inventory real quick. <clears throat> with everything you got going on in your life right now. Good, bad, indifferent. How often do you rejoice in the Lord? I'll go first. Not often. And definitely not always. And I wonder why I'm anxious. I wonder why I'm driving around in a car like a maniac, screaming at everybody around me. I think the reason that Americans don't rejoice in the Lord is because we have so much other stuff that we can rejoice in. Boats, bank accounts, handbags, shoes, watches, vacations. But when times get tough, when things fade away, when sort of circumstances dry up that we can't really rejoice in anymore, we find ourselves struggling. Paul's like, maybe, just maybe, you should start to refocus your joy on what it should have been focused on all along. Then he says something that's going to annoy you. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Thank you, Paul, right? It's, it's like there's nothing more annoying than when someone says to you, hey, don't worry about it. Oh, thank you. I hadn't thought about that. What would I do without you? What would I do without you? The reason we find this so annoying or we find when someone says, hey, just don't worry about it, so annoying, is we think you, easy for you to say, you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what I'm going through. But remember who wrote this. Remember what he went through. Remember where he is currently as he's penning this, locked to a Roman guard and a handcuff. He gets it. He knows what he's talking about. So Paul says, don't worry, right? Don't be anxious about anything. But he's smart enough to know that he can't stop there. In these next two lines, he is going to give us the secret of handling stressful, anxious, and uncertain times. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. And for you, maybe it's a marriage situation. Maybe for you, it's a job situation or a health situation or a school situation or a grad school situation. Maybe it is that dating situation or a child situation. Maybe you want a child. Maybe your child is going through some stuff. Paul is saying, what I'm about to share with you is appropriate for any situation that you encounter in your entire life. So every time you're stressed, things are uncertain, you're overwhelmed with anxiety, here's what I want you to do instead of worrying. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul says, anytime you find yourself worried, the very first thing I want you to do is I want you to pray. Because if it's big enough to worry about, 
It's big enough to pay it off. The truth is, if we have now reached a point where we are anxious about this issue, whatever it is, that tells me you've been dealing with this issue for a while, that it is now impacting your mental health. And maybe you've exhausted all of your resources to solve this problem, trying to alleviate the anxiety of this problem, and nothing has helped. And now that we've done everything we can do, we find ourselves saying, and please tell me I'm not the only one that has said this, well, all we can do now is pray. All we can do now is pray. Listen to what we're saying. All we can do, like prayer is some last-ditch effort. Like prayer is some desperate final attempt. Like, like it's some second-rate tool that I guess we can try because we've tried everything else. Paul is like, prayer should be the first thing we do when we are stressed. Whenever I have visitors that come down from New Jersey, um, and you might have folks that visit you from up the north, they always say the same thing to me. They say, you know, I don't know how you work down here. I mean, I would, I'd be at the beach every day, right? You, right? And we always kind of say the same thing. You go, yeah, I know what you mean. But you get used to it. You just, you just get used to it. Somehow we've gotten used to prayer. Amazingly, somehow we've gotten used to the fact that we have an open line of communication with the creator of the universe because of Jesus Christ. Somehow, and I don't know how it has happened, we've gotten used to the power of prayer. And Paul says, look, whenever you feel anxiety, treat it like the check engine light goes off. Bring it right in for service. Bring it right into the guy who created you and tell him exactly what you need. Now, that being said, we got to remember that prayer is not a one-time thing. It's not like you just rattle off one prayer and that's it, boom, done. Prayer, according to Jesus, is a continual effort. In Elijah, we learn that Jesus said that we are to ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock. Why? Not because God wants to hear us beg. Because God is moved by consistent, persistent prayer. So Paul says, when you're worried, when you're stressed, when you're anxious, I want you to first rejoice in the Lord always, and then I want you to pray. Now, because I have the spiritual gift of mind reading, I know that those of you in the room who are worrying about something, and in your mind right now, you're hearing what Paul is saying, and you are saying, I have been praying. I have, I've been, I have been praying more than I've ever prayed in my entire life. God, help me. Help me find that job, Lord. God, help my baby to, to, to nurse. God, help me to get that second date. Paul, I have been praying. Here's the rub with what Paul says here. Mo most of us, when we've heard this in the past, we sort of think that Paul is simply telling us to pray about that particular worrisome issue. But if we think that's all he's saying, then we've actually missed a much larger concept that he's driving at. Let me kind of walk you through this. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, but he's not done there, and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This word present is a very unusual word here. We don't pick up on this, but this is a word that is very rarely used in the context of prayer. In the original Greek, when it was written, it means to, to, to reveal, and it's often used in the context of Solving a mystery. So Paul is saying to us in this piece of scripture, as a starting point, yes, 
I want you to bring your needs to God, but don't stop there. I want you to spend the time necessary in prayer, on your knees, to discover what you are really worried about. I want you to dig down deep. And I want you to reveal that, present that to God, the deepest, deepest desire of your heart. Let me show you how this plays out. When we're anxious, we normally present to God what I'll call our legitimate requests. I need this job. I want my kid to get into that college. I want to land this new business deal, right? And so we anxiously bring these legitimate requests to the Lord, and we should. But Paul is saying, don't stop there. Go below the surface of those requests to uncover your underlying anxieties. And what you might discover in searching yourself through prayer is that while you're praying for that job and while you are praying about your child and while you're praying about that big business deal, you might find that what you're really anxious about is your need to feel important. What you might find as you search your heart is, is, is your need to look impressive or successful. What you might find is that what you're really anxious about is your need to be viewed by friends or family or colleagues in a particular way or to be seen as a mother who has it all together. See, the truth is this. Very few people pray at this level of insecurity. Most of us pray at the level of, here's what I need, in Jesus' name, amen. I need a job, in Jesus' name, amen. Paul is saying you can and should pray for those things, but I'm not sure the answers to those prayers are going to reach in and minister to your deepest insecurities, to your underlying anxieties, to your hidden values. Instead, Paul says, every single time you are anxious, I want you to say to God, God, here's what I want, but here is why. Reveal, present what's behind and below those legitimate requests. Paul would say, I want you to pray. I want you to petition. I want you to be thankful. But I want you to reveal to God something that you have never revealed to him before. Maybe because it's never been revealed to you. Come on. He's like, I want you to dig deep. Get that stuff out. Dig it out. All those insecurities, all those fears, all those hidden values. It's search my heart, Lord, to know my anxious ways, and let's get to the bottom of what am I really worried about. I want you to move beyond, he would say, help protect my kids. I want you to move beyond help my business to succeed. And I want you to get on your knees, and I want you to bring all that stuff that helps answer the question, why? Why is that such a big deal to you? Why are you so concerned about that? Why is it so important? Why, why, why? What's underneath it all? I want you to bring that to God. You do that, and the peace of God. And the peace of God. Not circumstances. We all have that. Kids got home from school today safe. I have peace. Work was fine today, I have peace. Blood work came out good, we have peace. 
Had a great first date. Second one's lined up. I have peace. Paul says, the pe- that's the peace of the world. That's the peace of circumstances. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the peace of God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This word guard means to stand watch over. And maybe the reason we're anxious is because maybe we've never invited God to stand guard over our hearts and over our minds. We keep sending God to stand guard over our job, over our children, over our dating life, and we want God involved in all of that. But what if we invited God to stand guard over our hearts and minds? What if, Paul would say, what if you could find peace or have peace in the midst of uncertainty? What if instead of being stressed, anxious, worried, you could learn to pray in such a way that when you said amen, you found the peace of God? And you didn't find the peace of God because your situation changed, because sometimes situations don't change. And you didn't find the peace of God by simply saying, God, here is what I want. The peace comes when we say, God, here is what I want And the reason I want it so badly is because, well, I hate to admit this, Lord, but I'm scared. I'm insecure. I'm jealous. I never learned to fully trust you. And God would say, now we're praying. Now we're praying. And if you would allow me to minister to those deep needs, you can emerge out of this prayer into the same situation you just left with something you didn't have before. You will have the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Meaning, nobody's going to understand the peace that you have. People are going to look at you and they're going to go, are you in denial of your situation? Nope. Totally aware. Well, you seem okay. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Oh, so your situation has gotten better. Nope. Actually got worse. <laughs> but I'm okay. Not because my situation changed, but because God changed me. C.S. Lewis said this about prayer. I think it's great. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I, I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping, it doesn't change God. It changes me. So, what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC every single week, we put this word on the screen just to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So Paul, in wrapping up this letter in this particular section on worry, he gives us a little bit of a challenge. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. He's saying, if you're reading this letter right now, or if you're hearing what I am saying, which all of you now are, and you nod your head and maybe even give it the old Christian moan of affirmation, "Mm, that's good. Mm." But you don't do anything with it. Nothing's going to happen. 
But if you really want to conquer stress and worry and anxiety, then put everything into practice that you've heard me teach you, that you see in Scripture. And when you do, the God of peace will be with you. And that's a promise. So I want to give you two prompts to help you put Paul's advice into practice. This week, I want you to answer, God, I need you to fill in the blank. This is where our prayers start. God, I, I need help with my business. God, I need, you to, I need you to change my child in some way. God, I need you to provide this. I need this, that, and the other. What is it you need God to do? Second prompt. If you don't, I'm afraid that. And this is where it gets interesting. What are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. Sure you are. You're afraid to admit you're afraid. What are your insecurities? I'm not insecure. Sure you are. You may have covered it up with so much flash, you're blind to it right now, but God can see it. This week, let's drill down. On God, I, 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 need, I need you too. And put your biggest anxiety here. That thing you can't stop thinking about. You go to bed thinking about it. You wake up in the morning. It's the first thing on your mind. Start there. Put it there. And then go deep. What is it you think is going to happen if God doesn't answer that prayer? This is your Heavenly Father inviting you to join Him in a new level of intimacy to truly bring your anxieties, not just what you think matters, but what really matters. Have you made your deepest requests known to God? And do you even know what they are? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you inspired Paul to write these words in a moment where the world was coming down on him, collapsing all around him, chained to a guard, not knowing if he would live or die. Because every single one of us at some level has faced that crushing feeling of worry and anxiety like the world is coming down on us. God, I pray that today you would rescue us from these fears. I pray, Lord, that not only would you meet us at the place of our need and answer all of these legitimate requests that they bring before you, God, but I pray that you would touch us at a deep, supernatural level to uncover what it is that we are truly worrying about. Help us to get it out, Lord, and to reveal it to you. And when we do, Lord, we will feel that peace that transcends all human understanding. And we will give you all the glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name.